0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Another Mother, a parenting podcast by My Spring Harvest with me, Emma Borquay. I am married to Isaac, who is a music artist slash broadcaster. He's also known as Governor B. And a mum to Ezra, who is three, and Hallie, who was born at the end of 2022. And since becoming a family of four, there's been a lot of learning for us all. You know, big life events, they have a way of requiring you to take stock of what matters, what your priorities are, and what new things you might need to learn and practice and so on. But I think for me... Realizing just how life-shaping becoming a parent is was something that I had underestimated a little bit. So I'm on a journey of seeking some answers to my never-ending questions. So throughout the episodes of this podcast, I'm going to be speaking to some brilliant people who are either further ahead on this parenting journey and can share their reflections and wisdom, or I'll be speaking to others who are actually at a similar stage to me ...in the thick of raising little ones, and we can hopefully compare notes and share some laughs. So today, I'm very excited to be speaking to a couple that I've admired from afar for a while now. It's John and Jade Reynolds. They've got two young children, Elijah, who is six, and Ara Lee, amazing name, who is three... And they share loads of fun family content on social media. And they also give a glimpse of their lives as an interabled family. So Jade has been a wheelchair user since just before her 13th birthday. So in our conversation, I get to hear a bit more about Jade's diagnosis and how being told she wouldn't walk again at such a pivotal time in her life has impacted her. And how this has in part shaped their family into what it is today. So I'm going to let them say the rest but let's go welcome jade and john reynolds to the another mother podcast
1: thanks so much for having
0: us excited to be here oh it is so good to finally be able to get to chat to you guys because i've followed john on social media for a little while now your tiktok is amazing oh thank you (laughs) i love it how long have you been kind of doing the like content stuff for um
1: just over a year so like I've never had the idea really of doing it and I never set out to do TikTok if that makes sense mm-hmm. I literally I think I shared a funny story of something my six-year-old Elijah did on my Instagram story and I just got a few more DMs than I usually get if people like this is really funny and I was like actually oh, sure, I might like this on TikTok you know and yeah. it, it did quite well it wasn't like crazy views but it got about 50k or something and suddenly it became like my most um followed platform and then it kind of just carried on from there really
0: um so yeah it's a bit crazy yeah it was crazy it's so funny what do you think about the tiktoks jade
2: um it's taken me a little while to like get my head around it because like in our family john's always been the performer so like (laughs) um i I think because you've done stand-up comedy before as well i could Mm. see how it like really suited him but for me i was a bit like oh like I was one of those people who, like, used social media just to watch other people. Yes. Stalker. Yeah, basically. I didn't post that that much occasionally, but I didn't really, like, post regularly. Mm. And then this has all happened, and it's like, I'm kind of caught up in it, because I I kind of see John as the main person, and I'm, like, the featured wife almost. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I see it anyway. It's been a bit, like, surreal, really. And because I actually don't have a TikTok, John has a TikTok, Mm. It's weird to me like we when we recognize when we're out, like out and about and yeah. I'm like oh how do people know who we are like to me it's all a bit weird
0: I love that, like, you've got your roles. So, like, you are the performer, John, of the family. And I loved your TikTok of your children where you – well, I think you were just talking about your kids and you were describing their very different personalities. And, um, and then there was another one where you were trying to convince your daughter to say please. Yeah. That – I was laughing my head off. I sent it to my husband. I was like, this is so funny because she was just not having any of it, was she?
1: Basically, she wanted me to <laughs> – She wanted me to get her dressed and she's an age where she can get dressed herself. I don't mind helping from time to time, but I'm also like, come on, like, I don't want to do everything for you. And so I I said to her, like, if you want me to help you, you've got to say please. And she was like, no. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do it then because that's rude, isn't it? And it just escalates like yeah. to the point where she said we had we had this line put on T-shirts in the end because we had people asking us about it and like pencil cases and stuff. But I, I keep asking her to say please. And she came out with the incredible line. I said please yesterday. Yes. That's so <laughs> funny. And I was like, well, am I going to have to say please every time you want people to do something you would like them to do? It doesn't really work like that. And also, I'm not sure you did.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you've got I said please yesterday on T-shirts.
1: Yeah, yeah, well, we had we had it for a little while. Yeah, a few people oh. bought them and like, um, like mugs and stuff like that. It's quite funny.
0: Oh, I love it. That is so funny. Um, do you feel like your kids' different personalities take after each of you? Can you see yourselves in them? I think your mum says that Elijah is very like you growing up and he's oh. very
2: sensitive. Um, he mm. hates it. Even if I raise my voice up like slightly, he hates it. Like he'll mm. literally get really upset.
1: Yeah, sometimes he'll be like, Why are you shouting at and me? I'm, and both of us are there, like, We're okay, not, no we're one just being a bit shouting. <laughs> we're
2: not shouting. So he hates it. Whereas, Aralie, if I even like, yeah, if I full on shout at her, rather than like be afraid of me, she literally comes back at me, like mm. even stronger, <laughs> like she wants yeah. to fight. And I'm like, Okay, that doesn't work with her. I definitely was sassy as a child, but probably not quite as sassy as Aralie. Yeah. She's like me on steroids.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm more similar so I'm definitely a people pleaser and I think Elijah is as well yeah. like you don't mind I don't mind if people don't like me but I want to know why at least yeah like and and I'd prefer it if they didn't and I prefer it if they loved me as well not just <laughs> not just that I was <laughs> I want to be
0: adored. <laughs> <laughs> you went from, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. To, I want everyone to adore me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I went from a bit of a people pleaser to egomania.
0: <laughs> so I think with your like social media, your TikTok and stuff, I feel like something that definitely draws people to it is just how dynamic you show yourselves as a family. Like you show the funny parts, you show the hard parts, you show everything. And it's so real. Like you just watch it. And I think everyone can see a bit of themselves <laughs> In your family setup, because we all just have glimpses of that, don't we? Um, but another thing I guess that draws people into your family is that you're actually an interabled family. So Jade, some people might not know that you're a wheelchair user, and that's been since you were a teenager, right? Yeah, so two weeks before
2: my thirteenth birthday, um I was healthy all my childhood, so I had a completely normal childhood. Um, And I was at the park with my dad and younger sister, I was on a swing, I jumped off the swing because we were leaving to go home, and I felt shooting pains down my thighs out of nowhere, and they were so intense that I actually just lay down on the wet grass, um, and my dad thought I was messing around, so he was like, come on Jade, get up, we need to go, and I felt really strange, and I managed to get up, and I saw a bench across the park, and I just thought, I just need to sit down, and like with each step, I could feel the power draining out of my legs. Um, I felt a bit like a puppet. It was really hard to like coordinate them, managed to get to the bench and sat down. and I just couldn't get back up. Um, and my dad was just like really confused. Like what's going on? I was like, I can't stand up. Um, so he had to piggyback me home. Thankfully, we weren't too far from our house. And then we went to a and they thought I was faking it because nothing had happened. Nice. So they kept trying to encourage me to get up and walk. And it was like, well, I, I can't. I could move my legs at that point, but I couldn't wait bear through them. Um, and then so I was admitted. I was in hospital for a few months. They didn't know what was wrong with me. They didn't know whether it was going to travel up me. So it was quite a scary time. Um, and then after a few months, they diagnosed me with something called acute transverse myelitis. So it's very rare. In fact, the consultant said to me that it's so rare that I had more chance of winning the lottery than getting it. So I was like, oh, I should have started. I was a bit young to do the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And basically what it is, is it's so rare they don't fully know what causes it, but they think it's an autoimmune disease and they think I had a normal cold virus in my body. My immune system went to attack that, got confused, and I attacked my own spinal cord, wow. which made it swell. Um, and then it rubbed against the vertebrae in my back, and it created like a small hole in my spinal cord. So now the signals go down from my brain, but they don't all reach my legs. So that's basically the gist of it. Um, and so, yeah, since since 12, really, yeah. I've been a wheelchair user. They did, you know, hope that I'd recover. Some people do recover and they have a limb.
0: Um, But I was just one of the unfortunate ones and I didn't recover. Um, So, yeah. Wow. And I guess like how you just said that you were kind of walking it or you were moving over to the bench trying to get to somewhere that you could like hold on to. And although it's a a very physical battle, probably in that moment as well, it's a mental battle as well, isn't it? Because it must be so scary. You're 12, nearly 13. That's terrifying. Definitely. And I think at the time, I was worried but I wasn't
2: overly worried because yeah. nothing had happened. So it wasn't like mm. oh you know you've been in a car accident. So I I was just thinking I'll be fine tomorrow. I'll go into hospital and it'll be they'll tell me what's wrong with me. I'll have the medicine or whatever and I'll go home. Um and at first they did think it was a trapped nerve. So they for the first 24 hours they just kept saying to me just keep trying to wiggle your toes because if you can do that it means you know you're recovering. And it just never happened. So I think it was in the kind of, I think after about three months, three to four months, they told me that I wasn't going to walk again. And that's really when I kind of had to process, okay, well, what does that actually mean for my life going forward? And even then, um, I think people expect you to like have a really big reaction (laughs) to that kind of news. Um, And I didn't, I just kind of accepted it. But, But looking back, I think that was because I don't think in that moment you can fully understand what that means like what does that actually mean for my life I don't really know my only experience of being paralyzed has been in the hospital at that point so it was like that was the start almost of the journey of like recovering my life again really and like learning what I could and couldn't do and mm-hmm. things so um yeah.
0: Yeah, it's such like a pivotal age, isn't it, as well? Like a pivotal time of life where you start to kind of get your independence from your family and you wanting to like go out and do stuff with your friends and stuff. So it must have been quite a shift like for your whole family together to walk through. But you were Christians at the time as well, weren't you? Yes, yeah. I Did you feel so. it? Like... Oh, sorry, go on. In Christian family and I was baptized at 11. So I very much had my own
2: faith by that point. Um, And that really helped me because I remember I had like Christians and non-Christians kind of come visit me and both of them would be saying to me, why would God let this happen to you? Because it was so confusing for everyone, like you've not done anything wrong and things. Mm -hmm. But it's so funny because looking back, I can really see the wisdom in it. But I remember I, I would say to them, well, why not me, though? like why wouldn't it be me like so other people are supposed to get ill but I'm not like for me that's just not how I thought about it wow but I think looking back that was definitely like God imparted wisdom because Mm. that's even for my age I'm 33 now (laughs) like I'm like wow like that's good that's good for me (laughs) now like I need to like you know think think in those ways so um yeah, it was a big shift for my family. I couldn't go home. They had to uh, um build an extension so I could go home to have a downstairs bedroom and shower room. But that took a long time. So I was like 13 and I had my bed in the living room. Aww. So as you can imagine, it was not great. No so <laughs> privacy. It was just every teenager's worst nightmare. Yeah. Um and I had that for about a year. So then when I eventually did get my own room, it was like, oh, this is like
0: my sacred
1: space, you know. <laughs> Get out my room!
0: Yeah, big signs on the door like "Do not enter." (laughs) (laughs) Oh wow! Yeah, that's like such a a huge thing to happen in your life. But I think it's so incredible that you were saying that at just that young age that you had that perspective of like, "Why not me?" I've I've never thought about something like that before. I don't know. I just think that's an incredible perspective to have so young, and I can't actually remember exactly what I was like at 13 or what I was thinking about my future at the time I guess it evolves so much doesn't it as you go through your teen years even in my 20s even now I'm like who am I gonna be (laughs) Um, (laughs) and I'm like 30 already Um, but I, I don't know when I started thinking about having children one day or what kind of my family life would look like because I feel like it's quite a societal expectation just on every human that like one day you're going to just grow up and have a family and you just you just expect it even if you don't necessarily want that or you don't necessarily plan for that yourself but after you had your diagnosis and you knew at that point that you weren't going to walk again did you have thoughts or fears about what this was going to mean for your future of becoming a mum one day? Yeah
2: I think at the time I kind of felt quite isolated from my peer group because they all had the same expectations of yeah you grow up you get married you have kids and for me I was like well like I might not ever find anyone like I may not ever be able to like I don't know get married like I didn't know if I could have kids because obviously I'd, I'd had no one to have the discussion with me so I was like does that affect your fertility I don't know so I very much like for the first kind of year was very much thinking, oh,
1: you did say a doctor. came. No, to So, you. yeah.
2: So then when I was 14, I went to um, a spinal rehab place called Stoke Mandible. And it's like the main one in the whole of the UK. And I remember one of the nurses saying to me, um, they were kind of giving me a little bit of like a, a list of all the things that I could still achieve and stuff and she's like yeah and you, you're still fertile you can still have kids naturally you can still and but at the time rather than thinking yes I was just like I'm cringing inside <laughs> yeah and, like this stranger's talking to me about this um I was just like, mortified and I was thinking I'm just trying to live day to day like might be my 14 year old self and you're like <laughs> yeah. yeah um you can still have sex naturally. Like, we do courses of, what the heck? Like, I'm literally dying inside. Or you know, what that could mean for you. We have people who were married, and then one of them became paralysed. And then, you know, we have to take them on that journey of reclaiming their sex life. And I'm, like, 14, literally.
1: Like, I just want to know if I can go to a Spice Girls concert. <laughs>
2: like oh my gosh like this is too much like I want to die but actually like when I got to my late teens I was actually really thankful that I had all that information because I was like okay like that is still a possibility for me and I was still very much I don't know if I will get married I don't know whether I would want that like I don't know whether in my situation it would be difficult like kind of Mm. managing I know relationships difficult anyway but I'm bringing this whole other like big issue into a relationship that's how I would see it and so I very much was like well we'll just see we'll play it day by day and I won't say I won't say no but I won't like assume that it's definitely going to happen so I just kind of was like well I'll just get on with my life and I'll just yeah. you know do what I can to enjoy it um
0: yeah. and just see what happens really so you kind of, you took the information as cringy as it was and you put it in your reserve of your brain <laughs> for when you might need it one day. <laughs> exactly. I love that. So then along came John. That should be like the name of a book or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, so how did you guys meet?
1: Um, so we met at London School of Theology. So we were both training. Well, not not. it's not like kind of training to so go into right, ministry. It's a. It's kind of yeah a bit more academic than that <laughs> it's not but like it's um it's yeah bible college essentially um yeah and uh it, it differs from some of the others where there's a bit less placement probably and there is a bit more emphasis on I guess the studying side of it um so yeah no we really really enjoyed that um you were the year below me yeah. um and we were just kind of mates at uni really like what well, I thought we were like I said to Jade like um like oh no, we always got on she was like yeah and I was like, I don't like the way you said yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like. I
2: think we had a lot of friends, mutual friends, mm. um, who we both got on well with, but I've never spent a lot of time with you. No. And I thought you were a little bit annoying. Mm,
1: yeah. Really.
2: Because, you know, we'd all be in the pub and he'd be at the centre of it telling these stories. Mm. And I don't know, I just thought, oh. Jealous. Jealous? I just thought, oh, Probably jealous. a a little bit, <laughs> you yeah. So, yeah. Uh... But then I got to know you. Like you graduated, and yeah. then with the distance, the heart grew fonder, yeah. and we uh, a friendship. I think
1: then. as well. Like I was, I, I dated. I was dating somebody else at the time, um, and I think also like. So I just didn't really hang out with girls, <laughs> Do you know. What you mean? Like, particularly, I was just playing football, like and watching football, <laughs> <laughs> okay. and like studying and yeah so I think like I always thought you were really nice I always thought you were really funny um and uh and things so I think like yeah it wasn't it wasn't like a total Did you
2: say it was when one of your friends who didn't go to uni asked you yeah. if you would ask me on a date for
1: them yes yeah, that made of. you
2: think oh
1: so so like yeah like they they just reached out and they were like you were you were at uni with Jade weren't you and I was like yeah and it, and it was like um we weren't dating at the time obviously mm. like uh and he was just like yeah she's really, she seems really nice like uh, i just wondered I like i know him, like if you really. could reach out so he he'd been at you very very briefly and he things but not while him. jade was there <clears throat> so i think he basically and then he would visited or something uh and things and so i'd sort of like pass that on to jade uh, and she was like "Oh, i'm sure he's a lovely guy but like i just don't know him at all yeah. so I, I won't and things and i think then like i don't know whether it i think it just like that seed like where I was I was single now and I was like to be fair she is like really hot and really lovely mm. and really fun and stuff so I was like just so, so, I, so I, I started flirting a little bit and things like oh. and you like chatted with your friend and stuff but like, not straight away though I wasn't like I kind of okay. my friend my, my friend is interested in you
0: <laughs> ask him for a friend what's yeah, your number
1: like, <laughs> okay you're not open to dating him but uh what do you think about me <laughs> It was uh no, so I think we were just chatting a little bit and every like and every now and then like
2: we got on well. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah good. By that by that good. point I was like I'd warmed up to you a bit yeah, more good. and I was like, oh no, he's a nice guy.
1: And so I think I like was flirting a little bit like through um through Facebook Messenger uh, and was wow. like chatting to her um and things and you like showing the message to friends like is John Reynolds just being like
2: Is he being is friendly it's... or flirty? Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out I thought you were flirting, but because mm. you're quite a big character <clears throat> and you're very friendly, yeah, I didn't want to assume. So I was like, is he? they were like, yes, he is. You didn't, you,
1: like, you didn't want to get carried away with wishful thinking. Well,
2: it was when he started liking all my photos and commenting on them all. And that was at the point where I it came up on everyone's homepage, and I
1: didn't know that. So I'd literally gone through and liked about seven hundred of her photos. It wasn't that many; it's probably about ten.
2: It, a, it was a fair few, all consecutively. Okay, it but it. it was
1: it was double figures. It hadn't reached treble figures. Okay, it's was, it was about ten. And but then that came up on other people's things. So it was like John Reynolds was like Jay Greasley's photo. John Reynolds was like Jay Greasley's photo. Yeah. Like so, then your friends basically, I think, mutuals could see yeah that. And being at uni together, we had about three hundred mutuals or whatever. So yeah. then your Friend was like, "Why did John Reynolds just like to load?" I think of your she photos. called
2: you out on Facebook and was like, yes. "John Reynolds, why are you liking all of Jade's so photos?"
1: Well? I, I was like, "Oh, my kids have got on my phone. I didn't even have kids, so I couldn't even use that excuse." So, like, um <clears throat> yeah, I just, I, th- I think I was just like, "Oh, like, we're well, just chatting, just being an encouraging Christian." <laughs>
0: My cheeks are actually hurting from smiling so much while you guys said that story. (laughs) So you got together at uni. So I'm assuming you were like early 20s or late teens.
1: Yeah. So you were in your last year and I just left. I was 22
0: and you were 23.
1: Yeah. Okay. um, But I was still in London. So I was still close by. I just got a youth and children's worker job at a church in Bromley. So I was pretty close by um, so I could visit a fair bit which is good, mm. but then when you graduated, you were back in Swansea, so then it was long you distance for a little while. We had a bit of long a
0: distance while. then, didn't we, for about yeah.
1: two years, Yeah, then got
0: married. So how long were you dating before you got married? Like three years?
1: Maybe yeah. more. Yeah,
0: something like that. It's all blurry now. How
2: long have mm. you been married for? Eight, eight years. Yeah. And then, yeah, I think we've been together
0: two and a half years when yeah. we got married. Ah, oh, so then you got married. And now you've been married for eight years.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: That's a lot of years. I'm eight years too. Oh yeah. Nice. yeah, only like two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it's fun, isn't it? Wild ride, guys, wild ride. <laughs> <It is. laughs> but so when you um, got married, had you spoken before you got married about what you wanted your future family to be like, if you wanted to have kids? Because you know people say like you should have those conversations before you get married. I can't actually remember having those conversations before I got married. Yeah, not in that. So we both yeah, knew exactly. we wanted kids, mm. but
2: I think we thought we'll get married, we'll have a few years, and then we'll just talk about it and then like mm. try for kids.
1: But Jade got herself pregnant <laughs> within a month.
2: No, so. it wasn't that quick, <laughs> but it was quick, Emma, it was. so. Was it was too. No, I was married in the September, by the December I was pregnant.
0: Oh, <laughs> that's very sad. Awesome.
2: It was a bit sooner than we uh, were yeah. anticipating. And I
1: think I think and we'd only had sex once in that time <laughs> as well. So it's absolutely stitch-up.
0: <laughs> that is so amazing though. And that's your son. Yeah. yeah that's our son. Awesome.
2: Um and it was it was a bit scary for me because I thought I'd have loads of time to kind of like investigate what it meant to be like. A wheelchair user paralyzed and pregnant and a mother Mm. I thought I'd have years to like look up online and maybe like look at other people find other people who've done it and obviously it happened so quickly I didn't have that so it was like Mm. I remember just being like oh my gosh, I feel, like, quite scared because I and don't know if my, is my pregnancy going to be any different to, like, anyone else's? And I think,
1: like... like, you were a psycho when you were pregnant with Elijah as well. It so was the like,
2: hormones. It was the whole, I was.
1: It was different for you than with, with Araleigh. I don't know if it's yeah. a male testosterone, like, coursing through your body, but, like, I remember we were watching TV at one point, like, and honestly, we were watching the show where, so I think we both knew, even though we didn't know, like, you then were like, okay, like... I'm going to do a pregnancy test. Well,
2: I knew I was pregnant because I was watching this morning, and I don't know whether you know Dick Van Dyke. Okay. He was in Mary Poppins. Okay. He's really old. He's like in his 90s. Okay. So, like, quite, like, an old movie. Like, really cute. He's really cute, like, in his 90s. Yeah. Anyway, he was dancing and singing on This Morning, like, all the old Mary Poppins songs. I'm like, wow, he's 94, whatever. He's still dancing, doing what he loves. And I burst into tears. I'm not someone who cries. And I was, like, so emotional about it. And I just thought, oh, no, something's wrong. <laughs> this Something's not quite right. This is not normal for me.
1: <laughs> but I think, like, I think that was one of the other reasons why... I think it can be so hard, especially for women when, and Elijah, if you're watching this, we love you so much and you're such a blessing. <laughs> but like when when it isn't necessarily planned, so to speak, yeah. and then you're already in that situation and you're also flooded with like all these hormones and yeah. things. I think it is a, like, a really like challenging time where I think the closest I can imagine it as a guy uh, from how I can relate to based on your behavior, how how I am when I feel that way is when I'm just absolutely exhausted. Like, and I'm not saying it's the same. I'm not saying I know what it's like for women to go through <laughs> those hormones. But I think like that's when I'm like just irritable, just angry for no reason, or just emotional for no reason. It feels yeah. like sometimes. And I think like to be in that almost sometimes perpetual state, and then also dealing with such a big life change. I think like it was quite. We were really, really. I was really happy.
2: Well I were got, quite, I was shocked. But then when no. I got over the shock, I was like, okay. This this is happening like yeah let's just do that yeah
1: and I think I added like 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 you've already asked them like the added tensions of disability it was more that
2: my biggest worry was because I felt like I hadn't had time to research but like I mean thankfully I had two very straightforward pregnancies um I didn't really have anything mm. different the only thing different really was I had to after I gave birth I had to inject myself with like a blood thinner because you're more likely to get blood clots from sitting down all the time so that was a bit that I didn't like because I, oh, like, oh, yeah. I, I
1: think also um, like, you did so well because like as you got heavier and things things like transferring from your chair to yeah. the sofa or the bed or the so shower use my
2: arms a lot to lift myself so I'm usually quite capable I can move myself on and off things and quite strong but when I got heavily pregnant I mean I felt like Humpty Dumpty because I was like <laughs> really big and round on the top with these skinny little legs <laughs> it was really hard to lift myself I was like the extra weight mm. I couldn't bend over because the bump was in the way so I dropped things on the floor which I already struggled to pick things up off the floor anyway I can just about do it when I was pregnant. I was just like, "Was that
1: having a basketball up your top, so you just can't bend?" Forward? I was like,
2: "Well, that's there for the rest of the day, then, till John gets yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually think that I'm gonna like maybe start a petition that at your first like midwife check, they should give you a litter picker, just to be like, you're probably gonna need this throughout yeah. your pregnancy. We, we, we do
2: have two of them now. Yeah, what two? Because if one falls on the floor, <laughs>
0: I've got another one. To pick it <laughs> to up. I <pick> live <laughs> the hard way.
1: And I think if she drops both of them, she's she, it's her own fault. I deserve it. You get, yeah, you get what you deserve.
0: I love that Um, so Jade you said that um, you felt like you didn't really have time to do all of your research into what pregnancy might be like for you on reflection do you feel like it was actually better that you hadn't gone and like read loads of stories or read loads of stuff and that you actually just got to experience it?
2: Yeah I think so because of the kind of person I am as well I think I could have maybe got a bit hung up on any like negative stories and I think because pregnancy is so different for everyone every woman anyway it's different for and Mm. never mind like obviously being in the wheelchair I think I think it was just like well there's no choice now there's no like all that there's no point worrying because Mm. it's it's happening so I think I'm quite glad that I didn't get a chance to maybe like get hear any horror stories Mm. and I think I mean, now it's like with social media, it's really nice because I follow quite a few different um, women who are also wheelchair users who have had children or are pregnant. And it's quite nice that there's a positive side yeah. to things now yeah. with social media where you don't feel as alone. Like I think as a mm. disabled person, you could be I don't really know many other disabled people apart from when I go into hospital or I go into like a unit with other disabled people. Mm. Like usually you feel like you're the only one in your kind of vicinity with your issues so I think that's something that's really positive but I think Mm. back then even going back to like 2016 which is when I had Elijah like I think I would have probably just come across like negative articles or whatever so no I'm glad I'm glad I just kind of went with it and and I didn't need it turns out I didn't need to worry because it was completely fine yeah um but yeah, it was like a bit scary Where because I had to go to our local hospital, but because I was paralyzed, they wanted me to give birth in Stoke Mandible, which is a National Spinal Injuries Unit, because I have rods in my back. So not only did I become paralyzed at, at 12, um, I also then developed scoliosis as a teenager because I was slightly stronger on my right side than my left side. So my, it pulled my spine over into like a C. see. Um, and so I had metal rods from the top of my neck to my pelvis and so what they were concerned about was whether basically I could be awake during the birth. We'd already decided it was best to probably have a c-section but they didn't know whether they'd be able to get an epidural in so then I could stay awake whilst they did the c-section but because of all the rods and things, I mean, they they tried. They tried about twenty times. to Yeah, get the I think it was in. seventeen. It was yeah. It I was... think
1: they had different people because they had everyone scan, had to go. So they were trying to have a look, and I think it. they were if... trying to
2: find a hole that they could <clears throat> get the needle in we're yeah. oh with goodness. all the metalwork in my back. And to
1: be fair, I think it was one of those where I think part of that was. They wondered if you might like to be yeah, awake for it so that nice. you didn't have to come round and then your baby was already here. So I think it was a nice thing. But as it went on, there was a part of me as like protective husband, like dad feeling like, just feels like you're trying to see who can win now, like yeah. which of the doctors can get it in it like kind a bit of thing. Of a
2: challenge, wasn't it was a challenge. Yeah.
1: And I think it was with you in mind. but yeah you also I kind of went a bit protective and stuff but um
2: no so they yeah. couldn't do that so then they had to put me to sleep um which to be fair that was fine you know mm. that's quite a nice
0: labor but you love that feeling going to sleep waking <laughs> up oh you've got a baby yeah did that feel like a bit of a dream like was it because you know when you come around from being like sedated anyway you do feel a bit like like dreamy so then to be like here's your baby were you like wait am i awake or not Not <laughs>
1: <What> about that
2: <laughs> it was it was really surreal and i was so drowsy as well because i'm and like so it did take like a few hours for me to fully register what happened because
1: well, they also were trying like like they do i think for most uh situations trying to get you to feed as quickly as you can oh, just yeah. for like that bonding and things so i remember coming in i was giving elijah in a little town i was just sat outside in my little like, my, my hot blue hat <laughs> <laughs> like, like um, and stuff. Yeah, my, yeah, exactly. And it was just holding him, and he was like trying to f I I could see that like, little tongue going, trying to feed, like straight away on the towel. He was just going, like, oh. like i got a little video of it. It was that like, little lizard child, and so, like, his little tongue going out. So then, I think I had him for about 20 minutes or so, um, just like just in this really surreal moment we're like oh my gosh I've got a little like child seen now me and I hadn't seen you but they told the me you were okay and things yeah. and so then I brought him in for you and straight away obviously they were trying to get him to like feed but I, I felt for you because you like that classic just come around where it was kind of it was like you'd just woken I up did, yeah I didn't
2: know what was going on I was like oh he's a baby oh he's feeding oh, okay like it was yeah. all just a
0: bit it was very <laughs> surreal yeah um, yeah it is those moments are so crazy I've got a really funny picture of when I had Ezra my first baby and they were doing that same thing like I just had him and they were trying to like show me how to feed and there's a picture where I thought I was holding Ezra but I was holding the midwife's arm <laughs> 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 so I'm like cradling her arm but she's actually holding his head <laughs> And I oh, didn't know until I saw the picture like a week <laughs> later and I was like, Oh my gosh, I thought I was holding Ezra.
1: <laughs> so she she but she was holding him. Yeah. I thought at so first, I first was mean like, you meant
0: were... I was just like cradling her arm and he it she did. was like holding him.
1: <laughs> I thought you meant at first someone else had Ezra and you were just holding
0: her arm. Oh. <laughs> I was like really spaced out. <laughs> oh dear. But no, it is like such a crazy experience, isn't it? Like having a baby, new life. There is so much unknown. there is so much that you might expect, and then you're like, "Okay, wait, what is going on right now like there's there's just so much to it and then I think, as your children are then on earth and they grow, <laughs> it's just such a massive life shift and so do you guys feel like becoming parents is what you expected it to be, or did you just not really have any expectations? <laughs> Um, I'd
2: say now it feels more like what I expected it to be now they're like six and three like it's still chaotic at times but there's kind (laughs) of like the the intensity of having a baby and a toddler that's starting to ease now and so I'd say like the first year oh particularly after having elijah because i've gotten well after having elijah as well i got sepsis and was really ill so jay Jay was
1: on bed rest for about a year yeah with a
2: newborn it was all it was oh my goodness So basically what they think is because i was carrying extra weight sat in the wheelchair you can get things called pressure sores and old people get them as well but basically if you're in one position for too long it pushes the blood away from the skin and the skin dies and you get an infection so it's a bit gross um but they think that that happened and it just wasn't picked up on and so I got sepsis when he was about two months old I got rushed into hospital with sepsis and it was all like really serious um and I I remember finding that very stressful having Mm. been exhausted from having a newborn not sleeping then trying to manage my own care but also needing to care for him because he was breastfed he wouldn't take a bottle but they were wanting to try and give me drugs that you couldn't breastfeed with so then there was... and he
1: he point blank refused the bottle. Yes. midwives were like if it goes a day or so they'll, they'll just take it and stuff we he had didn't. to we had to use the cowpole syringes of milk he would not take it no. <clears throat> at all and
2: after about three days he got like really weak and like so I'm there really ill in hospital they're bringing him into me and he's really limp and I'm feeling awful because I'm feeling torn for the first time in my life where before I was a mother it was like my Mm. health was priority and then all of a sudden I've got this other little being that I'm like trying to like Mm. look after as well it was really hard and um thankfully after three days they did let me feed him and so I was like and we fed him and he was like fine again but it was really (laughs) emotional for me and I felt really like this is motherhood Mm. like this is like that tension that we live in of like kind of self-care for ourselves because if we're looked after then the rest of the family will be better for it but also you can't just you know go well, I'm not going to look after my child so yeah, it's exactly. really hard <clears throat>
1: I'd, um, I'd say like I, I'd agree with you completely I think as you've nailed it like I think now they're three and six it feels a bit more like probably what people who don't have kids see kids like maybe but I think like because they are chatty and they are cute and you do have those moments where they'll say something that genuinely makes you laugh, like cry laugh because it's just hilarious. Um, and they say things that are just absolutely mental or yeah. horrendous as well. And you try and teach them through those moments. But like <clears throat> the earliest, I think the bit that was the biggest shock for me was that was that first two years probably with Elijah mm-hmm. um, and probably again, the newborn stage with Aralee because then you've never done a newborn with a toddler already I think those stages is like, and when they just don't sleep and you're trying to just tag team it and you're trying to fit your sleep in around it. And yeah. I worked, was working for a church at the time as Eve youth pastor. So it was relatively flexible, um, but it was still like mad. I remember taking Elijah out at 3am in his push chair at one point because he was just screaming just so you could get some sleep. And I remember the police pulled alongside me because I think they thought I was like a drug dropper or something. <laughs> I think they thought the push chair was like full of drugs or something because like who walks their baby at 3am kind of thing. And I was like, Sorry, he he's like three weeks old he had fallen asleep by this point it was like they had a look in they were like fine Like they were probably like really quite curious <clears throat> um but yeah. yeah like I think like there's just nothing like like that and
2: nothing can prepare you for it like I know people say to you when you're pregnant or whatever oh you know get ready for no sleep and mm. but because you've never had any other situation in your life where pro- for a prolonged period of time you've not slept properly you can't prepare for that you can't really know what that means and then so you're literally thrown in the deep end mm-hmm. aren't you and you're just like you survive and you're like wow it's amazing what little sleep the body can you know live off yeah. But it's really tough
1: and it's yeah. so weird as well because there's such precious signs you look back at it and all of that seems yeah. probably quite negative and any people who are pregnant right now listen to this <laughs> are probably like oh but like i think like we were looking back at videos recently of them at that age yeah. and you're like oh like we're done we're not going to have any more but you are like oh it's just so cute and I think yeah. every stage of parenthood is probably like that and um, I was listening to uh, your your chat with Anna the other day and things and like I think like with grown-up kids as well I think like every stage is probably tough and every stage is a privilege and I think it's just like you're constantly like there's that real balance isn't it of like the excitement of like one day being a grandparent or your children getting married maybe and things is like that just sounds so lovely and exciting but I know my mum says like you never stop worrying at least a little bit like if your kids are going through stuff like you never stop being a parent and so I think it is just that those beautiful stages where you're like you're trying to make the most of it because you know that you'll miss it when they're not like that anymore yet at the same time cutting yourself some slack as a parent and, and acknowledging like sometimes it's crazy sometimes like if adults treated you the way your kids do <laughs> there's, there's the potential you'd cut them out of your life for your own self-care <laughs> like you'd be like they're a toxic person and you just need them gone like <laughs> especially if you listening to like hack internet advice and things and so <laughs> I think like <clears throat> there is that real difficulty of like managing being kind to yourself and recognizing you're doing your best um yeah. and things and I think like family's such a support like that's the other thing I say to to parents I guess um not that you asked
0: (laughs) No, go go for it
1: (laughs) but I I genuinely think the whole like family nearby is such friends or family that can genuinely help you and have them for a period is is we didn't have any family
2: living close to us as well when we had Elijah and when
1: you were going through that brutal time I think like it was that we had lovely church and things but we were still quite new to the church as well I'd only been working there just under a year I think about just over a year, maybe when Elijah came along. So still felt quite a lot to ask friends to be like, Hey, could you have our like newborn and things? Even for us, like yeah. do we know them well enough? Do they know us well enough? kind of vibe. Um and things. Yeah. So yeah, I think when Ari was a came along and like your parents live really near to us now. I
2: was actually secretly grateful for the pandemic because I was like, at least you Aries about eight months old mm. at the time. I was like, You're home all the time. Yeah, I've yeah. got help with the baby. Like yeah, that was definitely like a plus point for me at that point. Yeah. I was like okay good
1: yeah that that double teaming stuff but um but yeah it is what we thought it was and it's I think it's also not in some ways too (laughs) yeah
0: you're so right though about how every with every stage comes new challenges um you always think oh we'll get through this bit and then the next bit will be easier and then it just presents a whole load of challenges of its own but it doesn't mean that it's not amazing and that you're not loving it as you go but it's just yeah I guess it's a challenge for us as parents to try and be present to whatever moment that we're in because we know that we are going to look back on it at some point with fondness and we'll be like oh i remember that and <laughs> And you want to be able to remember it as well. Like you want to have those memories of like th- like moments of joy. So I love that um, you guys make like a real effort to go on your like family adventures and your little family trips and stuff. Because I think these are like the core memories, as social media likes to say, um, that we're like creating for our children and for us as a family too. And I saw that you recently went on an adventure holiday as a family. Was that fun? Where was it that you went to again? Um, Yeah, so it's Calvert Lakes, which is in the Lake District. Um, And
2: I'd seen it on social media, and I'd seen that they kind of had like adapted, like outdoor sports and activities. And I thought, oh, like, that could be quite cool. Like, as someone who does often get the opportunity to do that Mm. kind of stuff, I thought that could be quite fun. So um yeah, we went and like it was such such a fun time. Wasn't it was amazing. It? Like,
1: and I don't think I'd realized. We obviously knew the kids haven't done that before. I don't think I'd realized like that you never had because I think also like being a youth pastor, like going canoeing or doing rock climbing things can happen like with socials and things. So I'd done quite a lot of that stuff, and I know you have grown up in church. So part of me thought, yeah. oh, you. I I think I knew maybe you wouldn't have done it since becoming paralyzed. Um, but I think I, in my head, I thought, oh, you've probably done it as a kid. Yeah, though.
2: as a kid, I'd camped, but I'd not actually done like <clears throat> very yeah. many like sport things. No, it was or, so like, special. Like, our,
1: our kids loved it. Elijah like cried <laughs> when we had to come home. Like, yeah, he was like, I just love heart. it so much. Like, oh my God. Things. It, was, it was really nice.
0: I'm just interrupting the episode very quickly while we're talking about family adventures because Spring Harvest is back at Butlins for 2024 and it is an amazing family adventure. It is a time for spiritual refreshment, hearing from a brilliant team of speakers and worship leaders and of course it's a time for families to be together and enjoy all of the on-site activities. So if you want to find out more head over to springharvest.org and there will be all the information. Back to the episode.
1: I heard somebody say, and I was quite challenged by it, actually, that they'd changed their parenting tact to instead of spending, like they used to spend like 100 quid on each kid at Christmas and 100 quid for their birthday, that kind of stuff. And they were like, it's not that we don't ever still maybe buy them a bigger gift at that time of year, but they were like, they'd scaled back some of those celebration holidays in terms of their spending on them to put it towards like holidays or days out because they were like, your kids, and we we found that even, like, Mm sometimes our kids like Elijah went through a stage of literally like opening oh wow cool bang next yeah it would just he'd have 40 presents because we've got quite big families on both sides and it was like
2: just a waste our house was
1: just full of stuff that ultimately he actually didn't have time to play with like all of them uh, and things and so like got to that stage of us being like maybe our main gift might be like a day out and then we just ask people like if we wanted to get in a bike or something can like family club together like are you guys happy to do that and most people were most people were like oh it saves me spending five quid on him or having to shop like if you're happy with that and so that kind of thing like I think Mm. the days out stuff like I I remember all my holidays pretty much like one of my earliest memories has been on holiday like with my family when I was about four
0: what were your favorite activities that you did at the lakes the canoeing was my favorite
2: like it was the most exhausting, like, I didn't realise how much effort it took to, like, use the paddles. Yeah. Um, but I'm quite, comp- we're quite competitive, aren't we? And we yeah. played games as well, because there's other families there and things. And, like, I'd say I'm not a, a competitive person, because I'm quite laid back. But actually, no, I have a secret competitive side. You're, you're
1: not competitive in, like, everyday life. So you wouldn't be like, oh, they're achieving that. I want to, like, you'd just be happy for people. But yeah. I think when it comes to literally a game... yeah
2: i want to win yeah Yeah.
1: probably the closest we've ever come to divorce is playing things like pictionary and stuff where it's like what the hell is that Yeah, I like
2: that. I like that side of it where we yeah. get to, like, yeah, compete with other people. It's, it's really
1: fun. And it's, it's a really lovely place, Calvert Trust, for anyone who's got any disabilities. Like, we yeah. definitely recommend going there or those kind of things, looking into those places. Yeah. Um, it's just it really nice, special. It was
2: nice for the kids to, like, see me be involved in things, because I think they're quite mm. used to maybe, like, mummy being on the sideline and watching other people do things. Yeah. So it was really nice that we all got to, like, be involved.
1: Definitely. And I, th- and I think it does teach them, like, I think... we. There's there's hard things that come about through being an interable couple with kids and things. I think there are certain times where like it's difficult. Like the kids, I remember one time that the kid, one of one of them I don't I can't remember which one was like sick on the floor, and it's yeah. just impossible for you to really like reach it. Oh, it's and, a and if it's in the doorway, like you can't even uh, like I could step over it and go and get the cleaning bits. Yeah. Whereas like does Jade just wheel through it all and it's throughout the whole house Look and on that an chair or
2: something to so, throw down
1: there are definitely like big yeah. challenges but i think there's also big things like we know that naturally we're in that privileged position i think a little bit like um couples who speak different languages like you know that like when one of them's italian it's like oh their kids have got a massive advantage because they grow up bilingual i think our kids have that big advantage i think sometimes to other people of like knowing that they can knowing that mummy needs help knowing what it's like to like learn compassion because they have to learn it really really early on Mm. learning what it's like to I guess serve and be a part of a household where it's like
2: they have to be more thoughtful yeah
1: can you just get that for mummy please or can you move your shoes because they're in mummy's way and mummy can't reach those um and so I think like there's some elements where I guess it teaches them to, I think, look outside of themselves and care and, and be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, we, you can definitely see that within them, as well as, I think, learning, like, overcoming adversity and things like yeah. that. And, like, so I love that they got to see you doing that because they have – they they understand Jay's disability in the context of, like, mummy had a virus in her spine and that meant that she can't walk now and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't understand it completely, Early, every now and then. She, yesterday – two days ago, I think, she was even, mm-hmm. like – so mummy like yeah
2: oh she was saying about do you know you have bones in your legs yeah and and the blood surrounds the bones and so if you've got bones in your legs that means you can walk because that's how you can walk and I was like yeah I know that's really good so she went so do you have bones in your legs and I went yeah she went well why aren't you walking then and I was like oh. <laughs> I was like, it's a little bit more complicated than that I see your logic but I was like it's not mummy's bones that are the problem but even then but, she was yeah. like she was like but just try yeah just give it a right. go look watch me it's quite easy you know because she's used to people teaching her how to do new things all the time so I was like trying to go like, oh I know just I want to but it wouldn't work like my my feet won't move will they so trying to explain it to her in that kind of like get the science of it which to be fair it's complicated for adults to understand yeah. sometimes so you know I think that's you that's, can't expect a three-year-old that's
1: like really nice and sweet I think uh that that sort of side of it and things yeah, isn't it yeah, it's things. Very cute. so yeah doing the adventure thing was just lovely to be able to yeah for them to see I think you in that light of kind of yeah just cracking just being on and, and being, being included it's and lovely yeah, yeah.
0: I love that I love the way that you guys just speak about like even how you were just saying then like you feel like you're in such a privileged position because of how your kids are able to grow up in this kind of way and I just think that's so it's such a wonderful perspective to be seeing the like beauty of your situation and the beauty of your family that God has brought together and I just think it's so amazing and I listened to um, an episode of your podcast recently it's the bring to light podcast if anybody would like to listen to it it's amazing um but you you actually spoke I think it was you Jade spoke about the bible verse about not being crushed in spirit yeah. and when I was listening to it I was like wow like it really moved me because I was like you speak with so much wisdom and from such a real place of depth in your relationship with God and it's like none of this is just surface it's like it's it's deep within you and you when you speak it out there's not a doubt in my mind that you truly believe it whereas I feel like some people I hear them say stuff and I'm like do you really believe that (laughs) (laughs) but yeah when you were speaking about like not being crushed in spirit I was like that's actually incredible um and so do you feel like this kind of your faith and the things that you're learning through your faith is something that you're teaching your children and how do you go about teaching them that in your family
2: I think it's, for us, it's quite a natural, um, it naturally comes up in regards to, like, I think one of the biggest stumbling blocks for people in their faith or even people wanting to have faith but, you know, aren't sure, I think is the whole question around suffering Mm. and, like, well, how can God allow bad things to happen? Um, And I think what's so nice in our situation is, like, my kids are growing up in a space where they're seeing, like, god hasn't healed me um but god has given me fullness of life and i feel Mm. like for them i'd love them to like grow up to know like bad things do happen to christians and Mm. sometimes life is really hard but that that doesn't mean that they can't have a fullness of life it doesn't Mm. mean they can't have a purpose and it doesn't mean that they're you know of any less worth or value and so Mm. i feel like I I, it's quite nice for us because it's such an it naturally comes up in our lives daily that I hope that in the future when bad things do happen that they will have that mindset and that resilience to understand that doesn't mean God has abandoned us but it means actually like this is a great opportunity where we can really feel God draw close to us and maybe we can learn something here and kind of take that forward and
1: definitely
2: n- not be held back by things in life but yeah mm. so I think yeah, yeah.
1: it's kind of yeah, what I'd like my kids to kind of definitely like, Elijah loves his bible stories and like and like every now and then like the the story of the friends who lower their disabled friend through the ceiling and things obviously quite poignant for our family mm. and like talking to him a little bit about healing like we believe like God does <clears throat> but we also have to accept he doesn't always
2: yeah
1: in every situation um and uh, we were I was talking to him the other day and saying, like, well, like one of the reasons I think God heals is because it's a sign to people that the kingdom of heaven is coming. Like, yes. um, it's almost like that foreshadowing of we know in heaven, mummy will be able to walk again. Um, but uh, it, like, and maybe in this life, maybe, but like, not definitely. Um, but the beauty of mummy's situation, I was saying to him, is that like, ultimately, we just want people to know about God's love. And if mummy got healed, like that might be one way people see God's love, but equally people see it through the fact that mummy hasn't been healed yet still loves Jesus. Like, because the reality Mm. for people is other people, you've said this a load of times. Like if Mm. I got healed, people would say like, no one knew how I became disabled. So maybe no one knows how I got healed. It might not be God. Do you know what I mean? It was just unlucky and then lucky. Like, um, and equally like, I think, People, other people would say, "Yeah, well, it's all right for her. She got healed." You know I mean, where's God in my pain and things? And so I think we, we, I think we do see that, particularly on on like social media as well, where I guess like the platform has grown, and you get the opportunity, I guess, to witness and share think that like that is a big question like we get asked and mm-hmm. I think like that those are some of the answers we kind of give and like God promises pain like Jesus literally says in this life you will have trouble yeah. like he says take heart I've overcome the world like there's that future promise that it won't always be that way mm-hmm. but he literally tells us we're going to suffer so I think like his cards are on the deck for us like which is what I love about God he's not kind of being like yeah when you when you come to me everything will be fine it's not kind of some sort of scheme mm. he's just really open like I suffered you're going to suffer too um but it, there's going to be something beautiful in that something redemptive in it still uh and one day it won't be that way and I think like yeah. that I feel like we yeah you know, it does feel like a privilege I think mm. genuinely to be yeah. able to share that like with our kids and it's lovely they have those like deep questions I guess like yeah
0: Wow, guys, I feel like you just need to drop the mic. That was like (laughs) the best preach I've heard in a long time. (laughs) It was so good. But no, honestly, like I think, yeah, your faith really inspires me. And I know it inspires so many other people as well and i think that especially through what you're putting out there on social media people will really just see the light that your family exudes from within both of you from within your children so yeah i hope more people will get to see god through you guys because i think yeah you're doing an amazing thing um yes but no thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast thanks so much for having us we've loved it it's been great it's been brilliant chatting to you and like i said if anybody wants to listen to the bring to light podcast you should and you should also follow them on tiktok and instagram it's just is it john j reynolds Uh, john ej reynolds john oh okay john ej reynolds (laughs) get it right get it right don't forget the e okay um (laughs) but no thank you so much guys we really appreciate having you oh thanks emma thank Thank you. you thank you so much for listening to another mother don't forget to subscribe for future episodes and we would absolutely love your help in spreading the word about this podcast so please do share it with your friends share it with other parents other mums that you may know mums to be parents to be just anybody that you think might enjoy it thank you